We don't win down here. We lose. You ready for that? Oh, you, th- oh, you were a post-millennialist. You thought we were just going to go waltzing into the kingdom as you took over the world. Welcome to Nobody with a Bible. Chief Nobody Brandon. Here we talk about all the things and use biblical discernment while doing so. So let's dig in. Not using your feelings, but God's truth. What's wrong with you people? I'm serious. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is, and we don't know who we are. Welcome to Nobody with a Bible podcast, everybody. I'm Brandon. This is episode one. We're doing episode one, 20-minute tirades. Things Christians need to stop saying, and words Christians need to stop using. First word, anointing, or anointed, or anoint me, or various forms of anointing. This is done, I believe, very, very innocently from most of our brothers and sisters in Christ. However, I'm here to warn you that this is something that false teachers exploit. They exploit this word, and it is spread like leaven throughout Christianity, and it's just every time I hear the word, it makes me, it just makes me cringe. And as I said, it's innocent, but uh, in in its context, we'll, we'll look and see why it's so important. Okay, first off, this is, I have to give thanks to Chris at Fighting for the Faith, because he totally stirred this up to memory about Matthew 24, 24, and Jesus warning. And we'll read it, but we'll, I'll, I'll go up to 23 to give it a little bit of context. So it says, then, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. Verse 24, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Okay, and Chris stirred to memory there that in verse 24, Jesus, in in the original Greek, in false Christ there, right on the first line, the Greek word there, is pseudo Christos, pseudo false Christos. Okay, so Jesus' warning here is not just for people claiming to be Christ, which that is true. We have seen that in the past. Chris gave a example of this, uh, I believe she's Chinese lady, who claims to be the one and only daughter of God, and claims to, uh, it's, it's insane, and that, you know, um, that, is, that she's a deity, and, uh, you know, we have that. Then I know there's a, a guy that literally believes that he's Jesus. I forgot what country it's in. I think it's in somewhere near Russia, I thought. Um, the, the dude literally runs a little commune. 
He does, yeah. There's like huge gatherings and everything out there. And yeah, it's so cra- it's crazy. I mean, the numbers that that guy brings in are just astronomical. Yeah, and then there's I know there's a guy in Africa too. So now that I'm so yes, there's definitely going to be that. But the the word there is very important because Christos. This is where we get the word anointed, anointed. We get this because obviously Christ. Christ is a surname, a title. Okay, Christ, Mishiach, Mishiach meaning anointed one, Mishiach in the Hebrew, meaning anointed one. So really what Jesus is warning of here in verse 24, if we were to read it in the original Greek in this context, for false anointed ones, And false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, even possible, even the elect. If possible, even the elect. So, false anointed, anointed. This brings me to an example that I'm going to play for you for this. And this is a not-so-innocent example. We're going to look at Bill Johnson from Bethel, who is a well-known heretic. Okay, we're just going to listen to a few minutes of this here. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. Here's the first thing I want to stop and just take a look at. I, I love that the children are here today. I realize it's not always practical. But I remember hearing of a, a, a friend of mine, whenever the Spirit of God would move powerfully in a service, they, the pastor would actually stand up and instruct all the parents, go get your children, get them out of the nursery, bring the little infants in, because they wanted to expose the children to the anointing, to that manifest presence. And it's valuable that we make whatever adjustments are necessary so that our children become exposed to the anointing. There are several things that, uh, that, we, that we did in raising our kids that was very, very important to us. We wanted to make sure, you know, as parents, we did everything that we knew to do to raise them right, but there's also other influences that we need to expose them to, other talents, other skills, teachers, etc. They They all have influence, youth pastors, children's uh, workers, they all have influence in the life of a child. And what we determined to do early on is, number one, we would expose our children to the Word of God. We expose them to the Word of God in the assembly. You say, well, they don't understand what's being said. Slap yourself. (laughs) If they understand you, they understand everyone else. It's exposure to the Word of God because the Word of God has all power and it becomes the seed that gets planted into the heart. You'd be surprised what they retain over over long periods of time. Um, I hear people say when they read the scripture, they say, I just don't, I don't remember what I read. Well, I mean, I, I feel bad for you, but you're still reading and don't stop. If I were to ask you, what did you have for lunch a week ago last Wednesday, probably you couldn't tell me but it still did your body good. Your body still used the calories, it still used the energy. It's, your, your recall isn't the measure of impact. 
Recall is important and it's developed over time, but recall is not the measure of impact. The measure of impact is because you were exposed to the seed of God's nature found in the Word of God. And so we try to always keep our children exposed to the Word of God. We always try to keep them exposed to community. That's believers that have valuable, meaningful relationships together. We used to always have families meet together in small groups, uh, social events, uh, all these things. We'd always get the people together, get the children exposed to community. We'd always make sure that the ch our children were exposed to world need. For years, we took our kids down to Mexico, went to the dump, fed, uh, fed the poor. You have to expose them to things outside of themselves and outside of your blessed lifestyle. And it just, it just has to be intentional because for most people, it's not in your normal daily activity. And so you put it into your activity. And then the last thing is expose them to the anointing. Expose them. You know, several years ago, when we were having those clouds of gold, the clouds of glory, many of you would run home and get your children, bring them to that environment. Amen to that. That's what you want to do. You want to keep children exposed. Here, what Jehoshaphat did is, is Judah is in trouble. They are about to be assaulted by very powerful enemy nations. And so he set his face to seek the Lord. He humbled himself, says he put his face to the ground and they began to pray the promises of God. They began to pray the record of God's history with the people of God. And as they prayed these things, they had the children there. They had all the families. Every age was there. You don't measure the, the, the value in the moment. You measure the value over long periods of time. And it's just, uh, you know, well, my, my children don't enjoy it. Well, they also want to eat ice cream for dinner, so get a grip, you know. Just, just get some nerve and be a parent. That, it, it, I, inside it was much more tactful than that. I don't know how it slipped out like that, but it just, it just did. And that's free. I have no charge for that one at all. Okay, first off, nothing about what he said was biblical. And I know that may seem kind of like how, you know, to, to most people and even, um, you know, baby Christians, they don't really understand using this and, and this understanding. And basically he's drawing off of is, first of all, the word anointed or anointing in the Bible, it's used, I looked it up in the ESV, it is, anointing is used 25 times. Okay, and all of them are Old Testament references. Yeah, well, not all of them, except for two of them. We have James 5.14 and 1 John 2.27. Okay, and we'll read both of those. I'll read First John in context here in a second. But the word anointing, okay, and, and where they get we get this idea of anointed or anointing. And this is the Old Testament. They used to take the anointing oil and they would they would sprinkle some either um, you know in the temple or they would use it to smear rub on um, you know a king's head to consecrate them for an office. Uh, or religious service. Okay, so they would they would anoint them, and, and this is a, a foreshadowing of the you know the anointing of the Holy Spirit is basically what it was supposed to be. Um, so that that's where we get that word. The it's it's been tied to, and charismatics have tied this to 
the holy the holy spirit which is is correct because anointed with the spirit and they get that from jesus um you know being anointed um being the anointed one and 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 that's that is correct but the way that it's used and the way that bill just used it there and the way that many of us christians um well-meaning as i said use it today is just blasphemous because it is literally what you're literally doing and and what bill's literally doing is he's it's gonna sound crazy but he's literally summoning a spirit and it's not the holy spirit it's a demonic spirit because you have already been anointed with the holy spirit if you're a believer you don't need this and it's in all the music and all the things anoint me you know like all of this stuff it's all over the place you have been you have been if you have the holy spirit and so if you have why are these teachers teaching these things and saying these things this is exactly what jesus warned about he warned of these people who were going to be coming in his name claiming to be anointed or the anointing or anything to do with the word really is what he is warning of it's not uh, it's not a stretch to pull that out i mean as i said it's not it's not you know um malicious from most christians and even the way most christians sing you know these songs it's you know they they don't understand it but um ignorance can't be an excuse and especially if we're a, a you know a middle of the road believer you know we may not ready be ready to to feast on meat yet but we need to be heading in that direction and these are the types of things that we have to avoid and be careful of because this is exactly how people they will exploit this word it's and and they do it um through the music as i said there is some that's innocent i'll give you that but Bethel music and all of these things, the source of it, the, the, the tree of this comes from Bethel and Hillsong. Okay, and both of these places have, they know exactly what they are doing. There's no, there's no, you know, that well, we just need to give grace to them because they might not know they're in error. No, the teachers there and the leaders there know exactly what they are doing. The believers that are caught in this cult, my heart goes out to, and that's who we minister, and that's to who we 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 snatch out of there. Because I know there's believers there that are innocent and just you know they don't they don't know what they're doing and they they wouldn't do so if they if they knew better and this is knowing better because these are the types of things that they do and how do I, and and Bethel right now as proof has put out their rediscover Bethel series in way they're explaining their heresies and their their you know um trying to do damage control from being called out on all these things 
Um, and what's funny is they're saying a lot of doctrinally sound things, but what it is is it's laced with lie, and it's laced with this just, you know, um, the, this this empower self empowerment that comes with the word anointed or anointing, and that's the problem. You wouldn't really think that this word or this phrase or these types of things are that big of a deal, but they are. They are because Jesus literally warned us in the last days of people, false teachers, false prophets coming in the name of Christ saying these things, anointed ones. Listen, Jesus is the anointed one. There's only one. And there's no need for you to call down this special anointing on yourself. It does not exist. That's demonic. Wrong spirit. We'll go ahead and link Fighting for the Faith's video on this. I thought it was absolutely incredible. And uh, some other resources for you as well. But hopefully this takes care of... Um, you know, any kind of question in some people's minds, if they were thinking about these sort of things, like why would we continually have to be anointed? And why would we use this word cheaply if it's something that Jesus warned of? So God bless everybody. On the day of judgment, do not do not fear for the atheist so much, the thief, the murderer. If you want to be afraid for someone on the day of judgment, be afraid for those who carried the title pastor. Let me give you an example. I gave this example last night. Let's say that a king had a bride. He loved her. He dressed her in white. She was pure and precious to him. And the people admired her for her, for her virtue, for her merit. And the king has to go on a long journey. And so he, he uh, tells his steward, he calls his steward in and he says, here are the directions and you are to care for my bride. You do not deviate from this, not, not one jot or tittle. And when I come back, you'll be rewarded or I'll come back and you will be severely punished. Keep this book, these instructions with regard to her. Well, after a few years, this steward realizes that the people are losing their loyalty in the king. And they're no longer concerned about the bride because, well, she's just prudish. She's old fashioned. So he takes her and dresses, takes off her beautiful white garment and replaces it with something really sensual, paints her face like a prostitute and then marches her up and down the kingdom and uses this new look to attract carnal men back into the kingdom. When that king comes back, there, there are no words to describe what he will do to that steward. And when Jesus Christ comes back, there are no words to describe what he will do to many of these men who call themselves pastors who have done to his bride exactly what the steward did in that parable.